Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications play fantasy today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play and put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup it doesn't matter if you are on yahoo and your opponent is on sleeper you can import your teams to flex fantasy to face off you can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own so sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh, it's week three, everybody, and welcome in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Tuning in live on our YouTube channel. You can check us out on bellyup.tv too, but make sure you subscribe to YouTube because you catch all of our content on there. And what you can also do when you download the Foxy Network app on your favorite TV device like Roku, LG, Samsung, and newly available on Amazon Fire, you can go to Belly Up Sports TV category and check us out there as well. Or just stay up to date with the show while you're on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review to help us out. I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going into week three, baby, and I can't wait for it. Look. I don't care if you're 0-2 or if you're 2-0. There's work to be done, so make sure you're staying up to date with the show. You also have to stay up to date with injuries, which is why we bring in Brian Scott every Wednesday and Thursday. Brian, how's it going? It's going well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And our intern, Danielle, back producing the show like she does every Wednesday night. Danielle, how are you, and uh, what do you want us to talk about tonight? I am pretty good, and I am really intrigued to see what is happening and what you suggest going into this week, because some of my fantasy teams really need help on this Look Ahead Wednesday. (laughs) Well, who would I be if I didn't at least help out my intern? So hopefully we'll be able to do that. Danielle, we're going to see you in the mailbag segment of tonight's show. Everybody stay tuned all the way to the end for that. Uh, Let's dive into it, Brian. We got the injuries we need to talk about. Right yes. off the bat, man. And uh, let's, let's just talk about Michael Pittman. Let's talk about the Colts in general. Michael Pittman, he has a quad. He missed last week's game. He does practice in limited capacity today. What do you think about him? Uh, sounds encouraging. I think we will see him uh, in action this weekend. 
and um, Alec Pierce, uh, one of his cohorts, who has missed some time with a concussion, also returned to full practice today. However, he's yet to be cleared to play, so he probably still has a few things to work through in that protocol. Part of the concussion protocol involves physically strenuous activity, but not necessarily contact. Um, kind of have to work your way through it, starting out with just some basic exercise stuff. And then if you progress through those things without symptoms, then you move on to the next level. So some of it's very subjective, but there's also some objectivity to it. And until he hits each stage of the way, um, he won't be cleared in full. But that could happen at any day. Okay. And I, I think they were more optimistic heading into this week, too. We do have a comment coming in right off the bat. I love it. Richard Hernandez, thoughts on Juju. Richard, we are going to talk about Juju later on the show, so please stay tuned for that. Getting back to the injury list, uh, Alec Pierce, he's working his way through concussion. We know how that works. He's got to be able to hit certain obstacles in order to get cleared. Uh, from what I understand, he was out there doing some stuff today, so it's usually a good sign heading into the week. And then DeAndre Swift, there wasn't many... Doesn't seem like there was any setbacks. Uh, he played pretty well. So, you have any concerns about DeAndre Swift? No, in fact, I think, uh, I mean, originally going into this past weekend's game, there was talk that he might have been on the snap count and um, had a couple big plays, if I'm not mistaken, and had a touchdown right. or two, I think, right? So, uh, seemed to not really be affected by that ankle. I think, if anything, we'll just see him get back to a normal workload this weekend. It, that's exactly it. Because DeAndre Swift, obviously, he wasn't his normal workload, but showing you how talented he is, it just takes one play. For DeAndre Swift. That's all it takes. Now, look, I do want to caution you guys out there. Jamal Williams is still part of the thing, whether Swift is banged up or not. But as far as Swift goes and his injuries, looks like he's going to be okay. All right. Our weekly question, J.K. Dobbins, practicing <laughs> full again today. Practicing he full did. again today. Are we getting closer? Uh, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> he's going to have to string together, I think, a couple of weeks of full contact practices before we really see him out there. Now, I think... I think I had originally said we can, you know, you can go back and look at the video uh, that it's probably looking closer to a week four. Um, although th week three wouldn't necessarily be out of question, but um, they're not really committing either way, whether he's playing or not. So the fact of their silence actually speaks more uh, volume than his actual participation. So I, I expect that when he is coming back, they will make a big announcement about it. It will be a big deal. Uh, I think they're just kind of still downplaying it and they're not willing to kind of go either direction. And that t tells me that he's probably not coming back week three. But originally I had thought maybe a week four uh, would be more optimistic. I mean, you get about four weeks of full contact practice under your belt. Um, then I think you, you're going to know whether or not you're ready by then. Yeah, and I think I think you're dead on the money with that. He'll definitely be back by week four. That would be my advice. Maybe he's back by week three on a snap count. I think that is the best case scenario, though, for him. Week four, circle it in. I think J.K. Dobbins will be back for you guys. Just sticking with the Ravens real quick. Duvernay also concussion. We'll have to see how he recovers throughout the week. Stay tuned to at BillyFMDFF show because we'll keep you up to date on those player news notifications. Damian Harris, he had a knee issue at the end of that game. Do you have any more information on that? No, I was ha even having a hard time finding out exactly what the issue was. It sounds like late in the fourth quarter, they noticed uh, he started limping on his leg after uh, one of the plays. And um, later on, at post-game press conference, he was quoted as saying, I'm fine. Check me out. I look, I'm fine. I'm good. And um, uh, returned at the, the full... Uh, did he practice today? Actually, um, he wasn't he even did. listed on the injury report, I don't he think. Wasn't. Was he? I don't think yeah, he was so, either. That's why I just had to mention him. 
Yeah, um, I'm not really too concerned about it. Usually the day after a game, uh, um, Mondays, Tuesdays tend to be a little bit of a walkthrough. Wednesdays, Thursdays is when the things really ramp up. So if he's not on the injury list today, I don't expect that'll be any issue heading into the weekend. Yeah, Ramondre Stevenson owners were just a little upset about that because they got their high hopes up. Like, okay, now he's the only guy getting the back. Maybe he can get to the work that we need him to get, and that doesn't seem going to be the case. still going to be a two-man committee. Uh, Gabe Davis, ankle issue, made him miss the Monday night game. He did practice in a limited capacity today. Yeah, I think that caught a lot of people by surprise, myself included. He popped up really late on Sunday on there, um, heading into the Monday night game. I, and I, to be honest, I heard reports that it was like a non-contact injury to his ankle during practice. I don't know what they were doing on a Sunday heading into a Monday game. So well, it, was it, was actually, kinda... it was actually Saturday afternoon, which oh, was that Saturday. Monday, okay. Yeah. Well, then he Friday practice. Well, that, that make, that would make more sense then to me, but uh, I, I didn't even know he was going to be on that list. Uh, he popped up kind of late in the, in the game um, heading into Monday night. So um, uh, I'm trying to think of what they, what they, they didn't really go into too much detail um, really said that he just had an injury on the ankle, um, did some walkthroughs uh, in preparation um, before the game, but then uh, apparently decided not to go through, but he was, out at practice today and did do some limited uh, stuff. But being a Monday night game, they really didn't do much today. So Thursday, Friday is going to be kind of telling for him. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to keep our eyes on it. But being that he was already out there on practice doing some things this early in the week is probably a decent sign that he's he's trending in the right direction. And it wasn't, at bare minimum, a high ankle sprain or anything of that nature. So I I think that we take that as being the good news. He probably just rolled his ankle in a very severe enough way that made him miss the game. That's what I'm imagining. Again, this early in the season could have been more precautionary. You know, he might have developed a little bit of swelling there, maybe a mild to moderate sprain. Maybe not too bad. Maybe no, you know, instability noted on his exam, which, you know, as a provider, that's the thing you're looking for. And if you don't see that, then you feel a little bit more comfortable letting guys get back out there quicker. So, and clearly they didn't need him to win that game on Monday night either. So, yeah, I mean, with the blowout <laughs> score, you're not going to risk further injury if these guys have any issues um, and you're up by that big, you know, you might as well just sit them. Absolutely. All right. That does it for our injury segment here today. You'll be back with us again tomorrow for Clairvoyant Thursday. We'll kick it off with the injury segment for those matchups that we'll be talking about in the second half preview. Brian, what do you got going on this week, man? Where can people follow you? Um, You'll see me back here tomorrow night. You'll see me Sunday on one of our other belly up shows Sunday morning doing some last minute stuff. Uh, Tuesday nights, I'm also doing uh, some stuff with a good buddy of mine on Facebook Live, doing some injury updates and whatnot. So pretty much uh, every important day of the week when it comes to injuries, you can find me somewhere. Um, but just a quick quick note, uh, Dane Jackson, the cornerback for the Bills, you know, scary injury. Oh, yeah. They brought the ambulance out. I just wanted to mention he's doing well. He was released from the hospital, moving all his extremities. Um, a lot of that t- times they take just extra precaution with any type of spinal or neck injury. So um, a lot of times you'll see them come out with the backboard, brace them, do all that stuff. It's, it's more to kind of stabilize and do precautionary measures because you don't want to move people and you don't want to do anything unnecessarily or risky um, until you really know what's going on. But it sounds like everything's good. He should be back in action probably within a few weeks. Yeah, great to hear that. That was a really scary moment. Yeah. It looked like for everybody on the field, like it just everyone knew it was really bad immediately. So yeah. glad to hear that he sounds like he's going to be doing okay just from a life standpoint, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Brian, for that update. We'll see you tomorrow. Take it easy. And as always, love having you on. My pleasure. Take care. All right. That is Brian Scott. Make sure you follow him at the Injured List podcast and give it a download on your favorite podcast app. He's available everywhere, just like we are on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. 
But you know what it's time for? It's time for our obvious starters for our first four matchups of today's segment. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. All right. We are talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns. I know that that's the Thursday night game. Whew, man, I, I'm always excited for football week to start. But I got to tell you, not super enthralled about the idea of having to watch Mr. Trubisky and Jacoby Brissett on primetime television. But neither here nor there. We got some stuff for you. Houston and Chicago, Vegas, Tennessee, Kansas City, and Indianapolis. Those are the four matchups we're talking about in this segment. Starting off with our obvious starter at the quarterback position, and it is Patrick Mahomes. Who else would it be? Now, did he get a little bit knocked back down the reality last week, finishing outside the top 12 because he played against an actual defense, an actual NFL defense? Yes, offense meant for the Arizona Cardinals and what they put out there in the field in that week. Yes. Are we seeing right now what's going on with Aaron Rodgers when you don't have weapons or have limited weapons to be able to go to? It can even knock down the potential ceiling of great quarterbacks. Yes. As long as Travis Kelsey, Patrick Holmes will be just fine and he'll always be an elite quarterback from that standpoint. But it does go to show you when they play against tougher defenses, his weapons mm, really aren't up to snuff. And we'll talk about more of that later because there's some guys I want to get into down the road for them. My obvious starters at the running back position of this group, obviously Jonathan Taylor. Hopefully, the Colts learned their lesson last week when they lost 24 to nothing to Jacksonville and only gave Taylor nine carries in that game. It's called give Taylor the ball and get out of the way. Matt Ryan stinks. Uh, Derrick Henry, I want to talk about him a little bit. So Derrick Henry, don't panic on Derrick Henry. In fact, go the other way. If you can buy low on a Derrick Henry owner right now, do it. Their schedule gets a lot easier the rest of the way. He's got plus matchups, I think all but two games from now until your championship weeks. That's number one. Number two, anybody who tells you Derrick Henry is over the hill doesn't know what they're watching. Physically, he looks fine to me. Here's the problem. The offensive line is horrible, but they also are not going to play the Buffalo Bills every single week. Remember week one, what the Buffalo Bills defensive line did to the Rams. It made them look like a terrible team. They made the Titans look like a JV squad. It was bad. But Derrick Henry, remember what you signed up for. Derrick Henry is the type of guy you want him to get 20 to 25 carries, but it takes him a while to get going. I can probably count the number of times on one hand that Derrick Henry has had a great first half. Number of times on one hand that Derrick Henry makes a guy in the backfield miss off the snap. He's a guy he needs a couple of steps to get up to his top speed, and then he gets going downhill. He's not going to be this quick twitch guy that you can hand the ball off to with a free defender, make him miss, juke him out, and then hit the hole. That's never who he's been in the first place. So anybody's telling you he's done, he's not going to be back to the line of scrimmage, doesn't know what the blocking scheme and what the putrid state of the Tennessee Titans offensive line is. By the way, they just lost Taylor Lewan for the season. Before you start thinking that's a downgrade, this has been one of the worst tackles in the NFL for the past two years. I don't know if it's a downgrade. It might actually benefit them in a weird way, believe it or not. But regardless, whether or not this offensive line is as talented as it was last season, they still need to build chemistry, still new pieces. That takes time in the NFL. They have easier matchups starting this week against the Raiders. If you're going to buy a loan, them, buy a loan them before this week because there's a good chance he's going to bounce right back. And that's why I put him in the eye of his start. Should he probably be more of my lock him in section? Yeah, probably. 
But I'm making a statement right here, right now with Derrick Henry starting this week against the Raiders that you want him in there. And Nick Chubb. I don't have to say too much about Nick Chubb. Right now, he's the RB1 overall. He's doing nothing but scoring touchdowns the first two weeks. That's going to do it. Damian Harris looked pretty darn good against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Without TJ Watt, this is not the same run defense. I know everybody thinks about Watt as a pass rusher. He does everything. This defense is simply not the same without him, especially up front. I expect Nick Chubb to have a very good game in Thursday night football. Our obvious stars at wide receivers. So the first one up is Michael Pittman. Clearly, that depends on his injury and where he's at. Brian seems to think there's a decent chance he can head in that right direction, but it is something we're going to have to watch. Clearly, the Indianapolis Colts need him because they don't know what to do with the ball in the air if they don't have Michael Pittman out there. So the good news is that when Michael Pittman gets out there, Matt Ryan will go back to only having eyes for him. So I wouldn't worry about Pittman as long as he's healthy. He's obviously in your lineup. And Devontae Adams. The other guy I have been getting insane questions about this week about do I trade him away? Was it a fluke week one? And I'm just... I want to be in these leagues. I really I really wish I could be in these leagues. I want to target you people. Just invite me to one of them. Anybody who asked me over the past few days about whether or not they should set sail on Devontae Adams, I just invite me to your league next year. I just I just want to. No, you're good. Obvious starter. Elite wide receiver. I don't even think I need to say much more than that, to be honest. So I'm just going to move on. Tight ends. Travis Kelsey. Obviously, you're starting him. He's the only good pass catcher that or a dependable one, at least I should say, that Pastor Holmes has at the moment, and Darren Waller. He's been consistent through the first two weeks. Whether it was Devontae Adams getting 17 targets, well, Waller put up almost 80 yards. Last week, Adams not nearly as involved. Waller gets a touchdown, puts up almost 80 yards. He's been consistent the past two weeks. It doesn't matter if it's Renfro or Adams or what they're doing. He has his set role as part of this offense. He's being a top-five tight end, which is a lot more than what you can say for a lot of other top tight ends that we will talk about either tomorrow or later on today. That does it for our obvious starters for these matchups. Let's hit our lock them in. Lock them in. It's a lock. I don't have any quarterbacks in this group that we're locking in here, so we're going to skip right to the running back position. And let me know if you've heard this before out of my mouth. Lock in David Montgomery. Justin Fields, apparently, even when they're down three scores, is not allowed to throw the ball more than 11 times. I don't know what that's all about, but it does mean David Montgomery, who continues to get 20-plus touches each week, is a must-start, high-end, with low-end RB1 potential guy. That's who he is right now. He ran great against the Packers. And in this matchup, they're actually playing against Houston which is really funny because when we get into Houston later, I talk about Damian Pierce in the next segment. It kind of goes hand in hand with one another of like, well, they can actually get excited because this is the one game that they might have a pro game script. <laughs> goes both ways, but that's kind of what we're looking at here with the Houston and Chicago Bears. No reason to be afraid of David Montgomery. I look for him to have another good week this week. Locking in Najee Harris. So he's not an obvious starter. I think that is the story here. It is bad. We talk about bad offensive lines in Tennessee. It is bad with Pittsburgh. It gets compounded by the fact that Trubisky is a bum. I'm not a Kenny Pickett fan, but dear Lord, I don't know if he can be much worse than this. And my bold prediction, I'm going to say it right now, if they lose this game to Cleveland tomorrow, who doesn't have Javion Clowney 
and doesn't have Miles Garrett. They lose that game by another bad performance from Mitchell Trubisky with the extra extended layoff. I think we might see Kenny Pickett as soon as week four. At the very least, we'll have some reports from the team talking about putting Kenny Pickett in because they can't keep going like this. It's going to be too brutal, and they have getting nothing out of their offensive side of the ball. So look out for that. Lock in Najee Harris. He gets too much volume to do anything else with, but he's not really going to give you the elite RB1 expectations that you had for him when you drafted him, at least not yet. And then Kareem Hunt. Everyone always looks over Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb's the star, and he should be. But Hunt just does enough every single week, whether Chubb's going for three touchdowns or zero. Hunt does enough every single week to be an RB2. Stop questioning it. Stop giving me questions about you know Hunt or such and such flex player. He's an RB2. He belongs in your lineups. Lock him in. Brandon Cooks is my lock him in wide receiver. You know how we talk about Christian Kirk? Last year, we talked about St. Brown. St. Brown's on another planet this year, but last year, talking about St. Brown. Guys who just, they were the only guy on their team with any kind of talent. They're getting moved all around. They're getting featured in the offense. That's Brandon Cooks. Even with crappy old Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks, no matter what the matchup is, has a safe floor. And against Chicago, we got a good matchup here on our hands. Lock in Brandon Cooks as a top 20 wide receiver, and you don't have to think too much more about it. Also lock in Pat Freemuth as a top 10 tight end. Chase Claypool, George Pickens, they can't get any love with Mitchell Trubisky, but Pat Freemuth has been consistently for the first two weeks the second most targeted pass catcher behind Deontay Johnson in that offense. And right now, that's all you can hope for out of a top 10 tight end because it's getting brutal out there at that position. So lock in Pat Freemuth. Don't think too much more about it. Let's head into our lookout for. Lookout for. Our lookout for quarterbacks. I'm going to start off with Ryan Tannehill. Tennessee, I don't know if they win the game or not, but Tennessee is going to have a much better week this week. And I'll talk about whether or not I think they're going to win on the Cashing Friday show. They're going to bounce back in a big way. That starts with Ryan Tannehill. I know. It's supposed to start with Derrick Henry, right? No, 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 no. It starts with Ryan Tannehill. The play-action bootleg needs to happen for the Titans to start opening up the field a little bit more to get the offensive line out of pressure situations or a little less pressure on them to begin with. Tannehill is going to be one of my sleeper quarterbacks of the week. Now, when I say that, he's a top 16 quarterback, so he's still going to be in that QB2-ish area. He's not cracking my top 12. But if you're looking for a streamer, or maybe you want to do it DFS-wise because you're feeling ballsy, because I am, Ryan Tannehill is going to have a good game here against the Raiders. Mark it down. I guarantee at least one rushing touchdown out of Ryan Tannehill this week. And Derek Carr on the other side. Derek Carr has been solid for the first couple of weeks. And you got a great matchup here against the Tennessee defense that looks like they can't cover anything. Remember, they gave up 21 points to the New York Giants. Derek Carr, love him here. Love him and Adams get back on track. So I expect a top 12 performance out of Derek Carr. So look out for him and don't be afraid to play him. At the running back position, look out for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So he is being ultra efficient right now on very, very few touches. 12 touches last week. The week before that, I can't remember off the top of my head, but 
he gets between 12 to 14 touches a week. That, that's the most you can hope for. The problem is, and a normal wouldn't have a problem with that. The problem is he's still splitting the passing work with Jarek McKinnon. That's the problem. We saw McKinnon get the touchdown on Thursday night game. It was a big run out of Clyde Edwards-Alaire that saved his value that particular week. I do not expect Clyde Edwards-Alaire to continue to be this efficient through the first two weeks like he has. I said it before going into Thursday, and I was like, if you get a decent game out of him, do it then. Sell high on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Sell him while people are viewing him as an RB2. Because I don't trust him to be this efficient on these few touches when he has to split work with Jared McKinnon. And we haven't even seen a true goal line formation out of, out of the Chiefs yet. We don't know who it is yet. It very likely could be Isaiah Pacheco in that situation. We have to see. They keep scoring from outside the five-yard line. But I have concerns about Clyde Ozzler continuing this level of production if he's going to get this few work. So sell him high while you have the chance and look out for him for the rest of the season. Naeem Hines also falls into this list. So Frank Reich had talked up Hines a lot this year, was going to utilize him, and his targets have been okay for the first two weeks. I mean, no complaints. But all he is is a flex play in a full-point PPR league. He's J.D. McKissick. Do I like him a little bit more than J.D. McKissick? Yes, I do, because Matt Ryan, or at least coming into the season, I did anyway, because Matt Ryan has the history of checking down the running back. And Carson Wentz, frankly, did not until he put on a Washington Commander uniform, apparently, and the last two weeks have been changed. But for right now, I still trust that Ryan will always check the ball down. Here's the one caveat I'll throw in Naeem Hines, because otherwise he would be a starter for me in full-point PPR leagues. Jonathan Taylor's not getting taken out of every two-minute situation, of every third-down and long situation, of every four-minute offense situation. They're not just automatically turning that over to Naeem Hines. So that's good for Jonathan Taylor owners but it kind of limits what we can expect out of Hines. So you're hoping for four to six targets, not much more than that. So it makes him a base floor. He's worth owning. At the same time, look for better options, especially in full point PPR leagues is most of what I'm talking about when it comes to Naeem Hines. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is going to be another one who has a good game this week. Remember Saquon Barkley. And look, to a lesser degree, I know they pulled a lot of starters, but James Cook came in and had 11 carries, 53 yards. It's hard to go off the Buffalo Bills backfield because they just don't use them, but still ran efficiently all across the board. Barkley had the big game. And Jacobs has been the only guy. We haven't seen Zamir White. They, ha- they have pass catching backs, but they don't use them. There's a good chance Jacobs has a good game. There's a good chance that this is a game in which he gets a touchdown himself. So look for Josh Jacobs to be at least a top 20 running back against the Tennessee Titans this week. And look out for Damian Pierce. So they course correct. They gave him double-digit carries last week. Rex Burkhead, outside of being out there on third-down situations but not being thrown the ball to, wasn't really involved. Like I kind of said about David Montgomery in Chicago, this is the one game you could look at Houston and say, hey, you know what? Going into the game, I think you might have a neutral to pro game script. I know the last two weeks has kind of worked out that way, but it's not what you're expecting heading into the matchup. You can actually expect that here. So Damian Pierce being a borderline RB3, low-end RB2, will probably be the highest I have him ranked all season because you're getting the matchup here with Chicago. You can play him if you have to. Just keep in mind, 
that he has to be able to run in a touchdown in order to give back his value because he's still not involved as a pass catcher. I will say this in the feather of the hat of the Damian Pierce truthers out there. Lovey Smith seems to love him some Damian Pierce. Comes out the other day and talks about, you know, we're trying to build a culture, a team that finishes. But we don't talk to Pierce about that because he finishes his runs. He does all that. He definitely loves him some Damian Pierce. I will, I will admit that. Well, let's move into the wide receivers. Look out for wide receivers. Amari Cooper. Oh, my, oh, my. So, Amari Cooper. This is a tough one because you got to make a decision on this game, you know, tomorrow. Amari Cooper has the really bad week. Donovan Peoples-Jones had 11 targets. He comes back in week two. Nine catches, goes over 100 yards, has a touchdown. It looked like somebody pulled Jacoby Brissett aside and said, hey, you see that guy? That's your number one receiver, not the other guy 20 yards down the field you can't reach anymore. So that was good to see a course correct because Amari Cooper's value as a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two for me heading into the season is directly tied to the idea that while it's not going to be pretty, Brissett should have eyes for him and only him. I do want to see it one more week before I totally trust it, but he will be a wide receiver three for me this week. He will be inside my top 36. So if you need an option to play at the flex position, you need to take a shot on Amari Cooper, I think you can. But I wouldn't mind seeing if you have other options, maybe waiting one more week just to make sure that Brissett has the right guy to be able to go to. Uh, talk about that on the other side. Deontay Johnson, at least in his case, for the first two weeks, we haven't questioned his volume. Double-digit targets both those weeks. Seven catches, 50 to 60-ish yards. Not you know super excited about that. Probably all you could hope for against Trubisky. And another tough matchup here. That's the other key. Really hasn't had good matchups to start off the season, especially for, as the wide receiver one of a team that everyone knows the ball is going to. But some pretty decent defenses. However, the volume will give him a base floor. He is outside the top 24 for me. He is more of a wide receiver three because I don't really love the matchup against Denzel Ward. However, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney not being there definitely helps Trubisky possibly having a few more moments to throw the ball and help him out there. So somebody you can still play, but maybe he's not in my top 24 this particular week. And Juju Smith-Schuster. So we had that question earlier. Thoughts on Juju. Here's where we're going to get into that now. You should have known what you drafted out of Juju back in the summer. Okay? He's going to be a guy that as long as he's healthy and out there, he is the wide receiver one from a target volume standpoint for Patrick Mahomes. That's not the question. The problem is Juju is 24 going on 64. And if he plays a decent slot corner, like he did last week against Bryce Callahan and the Chargers, you can't expect him to produce in those games. You're going to see a drastic drop-off because he doesn't actually get separation on anybody anymore. The good news is, there's not a lot of teams that have top-end slot corners. And this is the point I wanted to get into and why for all of you out there, because the number one guy I saw drop that drove me nuts, and I picked him up in every single league I possibly could, Sky Moore. I don't know why you drafted Sky Moore to drop him after week two. I don't know what you thought you were going to get that early on in the season. Sky Moore is that guy come week eight on roughly around there we're going to see him blow up. Whether or not Juju gets hurt or not will be the question, or whether he just continues to be inefficient. But Mikael Hartman stinks. Marquez Valdez-Scantling stinks. Juju's the only guy who's a roadblock for Sky Moore. 
And unfortunately, in Sky Moore's case, he's better suited to play the juju role. He's better suited as a slot receiver who can kind of go outside once in a while, but that's where he needs to be. So I don't know if it's going to take an injury or Schuster just not being good. But do not, do not, if you if you can, if you have a bunch of injuries and you're like, look, I can't do anything. I need a flex play for this week. Okay, fine. In that situation, if you're desperate, I get it. But if you have anybody else you can drop, do not drop Sky more because the more I watch these Chiefs wide receivers, the more I'm convinced that he's going to have to emerge before long because they don't have a lot of options to go to. And then I want to talk about Traylon Burke. So talk about guys I want to buy low on. Burks is about to take off. If anything came out of that Buffalo Bills game that was a positive for Tennessee, it was that Burks looked good, got more playing time, and looks really good like he did in Texas A&M after the catch. They need a spark. They need a big play. Burks could easily be that guy, especially against the Las Vegas Raiders. That's why if I'm buying low on Burks, I would do it this week because there's a possibility he has a very good game here this week against Vegas. Regardless, even if he doesn't go off this week, this is still a guy I want to buy low on. He's emerging as their wide receiver one. It's going to happen soon, I'm telling you. So if you can, buy low on him. Hunter Renfro. I probably should have put him in the injury inquiries. I forgot to. He didn't practice today due to concussion injury. And he didn't practice at all, which usually is not a great sign because usually it means you're starting off behind the eight ball trying to get to the concussion protocol. Not impossible, but he does need to start practicing as soon as tomorrow for him to have a legitimate shot to actually play on Sunday. So just kind of keep that in mind. And of course, Darnell Mooney. Everyone's panicking on Darnell Mooney. This I totally get. There's a reason why Darnell Mooney was a wide receiver three for me coming into the season, not top 24, which is where the ECR was on him. This offense isn't any good. Now, I have no explanation for Justin Fields throwing the ball 11 times in a game which they were getting blown out pretty early on. I got no explanation for that. I'm sorry. Darnell Mooney is a good player. I never thought he was a wide receiver one type of player, so if he gets extra attention, wasn't really too sure he was always going to break out of the coverage. But why I made him a wide receiver three and where I agreed with everybody else on is that he should be getting the volume. I just didn't know there was going to be volume to be had. You have to think that's going to change at some point, just out of necessity. I don't know if it's that they don't trust Justin Fields or if they think all they can do is effective is run the football. I'm not sure which one it is. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to keep Mooney in my top 36 for this week. They're playing Houston. It's now or never. If he doesn't do it this week, He's going to be on my bench until something changes. I'm not going to drop him. He's still the wide receiver one for a team, but he's going to be on my bench until something changes. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and let him be in the top 36 for one more week because of the matchup, knowing that something has to change out of last week. And then after that, it will depend and we'll see. Let's get into our be cautious of these matchups. Be cautious of? Matt Ryan. I need that drop from Al Pacino. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. That's what Matt Ryan was for fantasy football purposes after week one. Because while they didn't have a great game, he actually put up fantasy stats. So you thought to yourself, like, well, wait a minute. Maybe in, in really good matchups, like against Jacksonville and against Houston, he can actually still be a fantasy asset. Well, that went out the window when he saw what he looks like without Michael Pittman. <laughs> Matt Ryan completely off my radar, not just for this week, 
but forever. He's the time has passed. He's Philip Rivers 2.0. And honestly, I don't even know if he's as good as the Philip Rivers version that the Colts got two years ago. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Justin Fields. Until we see him be able to actually give you something through the air, not just on volume on the ground, I don't see how Justin Fields is cracking your top lineups. And in fact, I don't really know what the point of owning Justin Fields in a 12-man, one-quarterback league truly is. There are other streaming options out there. Mariota would be a better bet rest of season as it stands right now. Davis Mills, you're not playing him. Trubisky, you're not playing him. And of course, Brissett, you're not playing him. Why be cautious of wide receivers. It's groups. I don't even have individuals. Uh, any Colts receiver not named Michael Pittman when Pittman is playing. You can play Ash and doing a little bit here if Pittman's out. We saw that last week. But if Pittman's on the field, I don't want to touch any of the other Colts wide receivers. I don't want to touch any other tight ends wide receiver not named Traylon Burks. He's going to be up and emerging, but it seems like they don't really go to Robert Woods as a safety blanket like I thought they would and or should. Cal Phillips was a little bit banged up, so we have to see how much of the injury was really affecting him from the Monday night game, but he disappeared completely as well. And if Burks emerges, and this kind of goes hand-in-hand with the Phillips thing, if Burks emerges, they're going to start to use him like they did A.J. Brown, which means moving him in the slot, moving him outside. There's not going to be much room for anybody else. So I don't want to touch any other Titans receivers moving forward. And then, of course, any other Steeler receiver, not named Deontay Johnson. Claypool, I won't touch it all this season. George Pickens, like I said, him and Kenny Pickett reportedly, if you go back to practice and training camp, had a rapport. If they turn to Kenny Pickett, I will have some interest in seeing what the upside of a George Pickens is. Outside of that, I don't care. Deontay Johnson, still the number one receiver of that offense, still getting double-digit targets despite everything else, and that's the only guy I care about. And then the tight ends. I'm not playing any of these tight ends. Colts tight ends, yuck. They're on the committee. The Titans tight ends, they're on the committee. Brevin Jordan's banged up for Houston. They also have a committee going on. And no, if Brevin Jordan doesn't play, please don't pick up OJ Howard. His time has passed. And then the one that actually hurts people's souls, Cole Komet. I have him as a mid-level tight end too, so even I'm technically wrong on him too, but he wasn't somebody that I thought would be a top 12 guy. It goes back to this offense just not being very good. That's what it boils down to. And uh, there's really no reason why you should own Cole Komet on your fantasy football lineups. There are a million other better tight ends. There's not even a million good tight ends, but there's a million other better tight ends than Cole Komet right now. 
That does it for our first four matchups of today's show. Everybody stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, I got four more matchups on this look ahead Wednesday, the fantasy football first half weekly preview of week three. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's fantasy football show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Thank you for joining us live on our YouTube channel. Check us out on your TV on demand, especially newly on Firestick. When you download the Foxy Network app and look under the Belly Up Sports TV category and stay up to date with the show when you're on the go, when you download your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review. I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're talking about the look ahead Wednesday, the first half of the week three preview. We talked about our first four games. If you need to go back, go back everywhere I just told you and go back and watch that. But now I want to get into these next four matchups for tonight. We got Buffalo against Miami, probably one of the biggest games I'm looking forward to for obvious reasons. Detroit against Minnesota. Baltimore against New England and Cincinnati against the Jets. So let's hit our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Obviously, you start Josh Allen. Obviously, you start Lamar Jackson. It's got a smile on my face. I know technically they're flip-flopped right now as far as who's one and who's two, but these are my top two guys coming in. Allen's not a surprise. That was everybody else had Allen at number one. I was one of the very few who had Lamar Jackson number two. A lot of people had him at five, hovering around that top five area. I had him at two, and he's proven to you guys why. Just think what happens when this offense even gets more efficient when they actually get a running game back. Woohoo! Could be quite scary. Running backs. DeAndre Shift showed you that on one ankle, he can still be an RB1. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible what he was able to do. And that's the good news. We touched on it at the beginning of the show with the injury inquiries with Brian Scott. We pointed out the fact that, hey, he was on an obvious snap count and yet still busted big plays, still looked explosive, and didn't have a setback, at least reportedly. Practicing a little bit today. 
DeAndre Swift well on his way to another big day. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is still an obvious starter. This is another guy. He kind of falls in the Derrick Henry category for me, where if you can find somebody who's sitting there and panicking on a Dalvin Cook, get him now. Because I'm telling you right now, against Detroit, ooh, there's a good chance. Kevin O'Connell already talked about it this week, saying we got to get back to the basics on Dalvin Cook. Yeah, they do. Kirk Cousins is at his best when he has play action available to him, which then puts Justin Jefferson at his best. It starts with Dalvin Cook. I think it starts this week. So this is going to be our last chance to buy low on an RB1 player. Joe Mixon, he's been great. All these other disappointing running backs we've talked about for the first two weeks, he hasn't been one of them. It's been awesome to see Joe Mixon truly being given a workhorse back. Remember, we go back to those comments made in July, and as dumb as they are, we've seen it happen in the past where, you know, Samaja Perine or Chris Evans, one of these guys is going to mix in on third down situations. We've seen that happen to Joe Mixon. We talk about the Giovanni Bernard days. It was inexplicable, but it did happen. So we couldn't roll it out heading into this year. That hasn't been the case. Joe Mixon has dominated all of the work, and despite the offensive line of Cincinnati not being able to protect for Joe Burrow, there have been holes for Joe Mixon to run through. So that's been the good news for him. Anybody not going to start Stephon Diggs anytime soon? No? Okay, that, just just checking. How about Tyreek Hill? Him? No? No? We're all good there? Okay, cool. Just checking one more time. How about St. Frickin' Brown, who's going to have to be a top 10 receiver for me the rest of the way? I'm done questioning what happens if he loses targets to X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Oh, except for, eh. I do have to bring up the fact that Jameson Williams will be involved at some point. But this is what St. Brown has proven to me. Not only is he the Cooper Cup of Jared Goff, <laughs> without a doubt, but there's two receivers that can eat in this offense because they're throwing the ball at a crazy rate with an up-tempo offense. So even if Jameson Williams comes in and gets gets mixed in as off, you know, as a rookie off an ACL injury right away, and I love Jameson Williams, but it's a tall order. Even if that happens, I believe both these guys will be able to eat. St. Brown is a top 10 receiver for me the rest of the way. I'm not fighting it anymore. Justin Jefferson. I will make this quick comment about Justin Jefferson because it is obvious. And if you're part of MD Nation, it's obvious with you. But I am part of a few Facebook groups. And uh, <laughs> I actually got people in there asking about, should I trade Justin Jefferson for blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Uh, the answer is no, no matter what it is. I don't care. You're not trading Justin Jefferson. His floor game is what we saw Monday night, which was a terrible game for the Vikings, a game in which he still had seven targets, five catches, and 69 yards. That's his floor. Relax. You'll be fine. Jamar Chase, same goes for him. There's Chase, of all these guys who are obvious starters group, he's going to be the one who's a little bit more hit or miss on a week-to-week basis because T. Higgins is a real deal. And we kind of saw that last week. You're going to have some situations where maybe it was more of a T. Higgins week and then maybe it was more of a Jamar Chase week. There will be games where both can eat. You're never, ever contemplating Jamar Chase not being your wide receiver one. Mark Andrews, nice to see him return to form last week. He's our obvious starter at the tight end position. So let's go ahead and jump into our lock em ins. And maybe not. So our lock em ins at the quarterback position right now, we're looking at Kirk Cousins and. Lock em in. It's a lock. There it is. 
Maybe I'm on a delay. I don't know. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, those are my two lock them in quarterbacks this week. Guess what for Cousins? He's not playing Monday night, so he's not playing in a primetime game. He's playing at home against Detroit. While Detroit is on the upswing, their defense is still awful. All right, there's no concerns there. He's still awful. Kirk Cousins is going to have a big game. He's going to have a top 12 performance this week. You can lock that in, lock him into your starting lineups. The same goes for Joe Burrow. What has been Joe Burrow's kryptonite over the past two weeks? Can't stay upright. The offensive line is getting him sacked 13 times over the past two weeks. Guess what the Jets don't do? They don't rush the quarterback. They've had two sacks now in two games. So when you get to play a team that doesn't exploit your one weakness, you'll probably do pretty well. Joe Burrow, I'm locking him in as a top 12 quarterback this week as well. Now we get to the wide receivers because I don't have any lock them in running backs of this group. Gabriel Davis, locking him. As long as he's healthy, I am locking him in. This passing attack is on fire. And what we saw, too, is that nobody can replace Gabriel Davis. They had Jake Kumaraw running the most snaps next to Stephon Diggs in place of Gabriel Davis. Like, I thought he, I thought he was gone. I didn't, even, I didn't even know he was in the NFL until last week. So that's the guy I'm after. Is Jake Kumaral. I'm sorry. That's the guy I'm after is Gabriel Davis to be a lock him in wide receiver. Jalen Waddle. So I I look, I already ate some crow during the Heroes and Zeros segment on the Tuesday night show. And I said, look, Jalen Waddle, I had him as a boom or bust, a big play dependent wide receiver three for, for this season, not just for the week, but for, for the season. Looking at Mike McDaniel, knowing the system he comes from, it usually features one wide receiver, and the other guy is hit or miss when he gets involved. Also having a lot of questions about Tua Tagovailoa. Can he really get these guys going vertical, or is it going to take slants and big plays by the receiver the yards after the catch? There's two things I want to point out. The Baltimore Ravens, if you watch the NFL All-22 on the Ravens, in that fourth quarter, somebody needs to explain to me why their safeties were playing in the box. Because I don't have an answer for it. You're up 35-14. to 14. They held the Dolphins in check for three quarters. You're up 35-14 to 14 heading into the fourth quarter. And you're pressing the fastest receiver duo in the NFL. Sure enough, what happens? Well, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, they get free. They run past everybody and make big plays. Like, you literally should have been prevent defense that entire fourth quarter and they would have won the game. I have no explanation for it. It's not trying to take away from what Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle did. It's just laying out the facts. Having said that, Waddle has now scored each of the past two games. He has to be locked into your lineup. And while they're playing the Buffalo Bills, which I would say, you know, at least lower your expectations where you're not expecting a top five performance out of them. You have to play them coming off of a performance like that. So lower expectations a little bit because they're playing Buffalo. But obviously, you have to play him. And then Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman is doing really, really well the first two weeks. Just not necessarily in the way that I thought he would. I thought he'd be more of a target monster. Gets back on track a little bit in week two, but also Duvernay gets knocked out with a concussion. So, you know, chicken and the egg thing. Bateman's still the number one receiver. and I'm not saying that's in question or anything like that. But you look at week one. You know, he had two catches. He just had the big bomb touchdown to save the day. This past week was more of a stat line of what I'm looking for out of Rashad Bateman. 
seven targets, you go over 100 yards, you get a touchdown and the result. But the touchdown still came off of a 75-yarder, so he still had to make a big play to make that happen. We'll see exactly what happens going forward with Rashad Bateman. I think the targets will start to increase as the season wears on. Remember, this is a guy who didn't get to play too much coming off an injury last year. But he's a lock him in. He's been laying it up the first two weeks, and it doesn't really matter how you get there. And Devin Duvernay still banged up. So I love Rashad Bateman coming into the season. I love Rashad Bateman in your lineups as a top 24 receiver this week, too. How about Higgins, T. Higgins? Obviously, he's a top. We just talked about him with Jamar Chase. It's either going to be a Chase day. It's going to be a T. Higgins day. Doesn't really matter which. Both are great. T. Higgins, lock him in as a top 24 receiver. This next guy, T.J. Hawkinson. It's been a little bit brutal with T.J. Hawkinson. I understand. But, as I pointed out, it's been brutal with all of the tight ends outside the top, like, three or four guys. He still had the targets that you want to see out of a tight end who should be a top 10 guy over the past couple of weeks. Still been there. So as long as that continues to be the case, I am not going to be concerned about Hawkins at some point starting to produce on a regular basis like a top 10 tight end. And if you need any more comfort, if you have TJ Hawkinson, just look at Kyle Pitts and be like, hey, you know what? You've been more productive than Kyle Pitts, so <laughs> we're okay. All right, so let's go ahead and hit the look out for segment. Look out for... Looks like we're still having a little bit of technical difficulties. We'll get it ironed out as the show goes on. Don't you worry. But look out for quarterbacks. Top of the list, Tua Tagovailoa. We got to look out for him. I'm interested in Tua as a streamable quarterback later on the season, not for week three. Do not get swept up in the fact that he had his best game his entire career and what could be the best game he ever has in his entire career, whether he's successful or not the rest of the way. Don't get swept up in that and think that you have to play this guy against the Buffalo Bills now. Have we seen what the Bills have done the last two weeks? Talked about it earlier. They made the Rams look like they're an awful team. And look, the Tennessee Titans like a peewee team. The Dolphins do not have a good offensive line. What do you think is going to happen? I'm a little bit worried about Tua this week. And as a result, that's why I'm a little bit, you know, concerned, or I shouldn't say concerned, but just lowering my expectations a little bit when it comes with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wild this week, too. As a result to that. However, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I think Tua will be a guy that we're talking about 
borderlining that top 16 area moving forward if he can start to have more production like he has the first two weeks of the season. But I don't think that comes in week three. So please don't put to it in your lineups this week. Jared Goff, on the other hand, I think he's in the conversation. I, I cannot sit here and definitively tell you that Jared Goff, yeah, streaming option. He was a QB8 last week. I believe he's a QB9 on the season so far. They're, again, top-notch pace. They have weapons to go to. Their defense is horrible. So they get to get in these you know, shootout games where they have to either come back from behind or high-scoring affairs. Either way, I think there's another game like that on the docket this week against Minnesota. My rankings will be finalized, or at least I should say my the first version of my rankings will be finalized on bellyupfantasysports.com tomorrow morning. It gets updated throughout the weekend. I may, I may have Jared Goff inside the top 12. So just keep that in mind that he is actually in the streaming conversation right now. I don't think that lasts all season long, but for now, he's got to be in the conversation. I, w- I would have him ahead of Tua for this particular week. The running back situation, Jamal Williams. Now, Jamal Williams, he's better in a standard league. I don't know how much I want to play him in a half point or a full point PPR league, but if you're a Swift owner, you have to own Jamal Williams. And if you need a guy in the flex that just has a chance to get you a touchdown, that's also Jamal Williams because he's getting all the red zone work. So he's somebody who should be on your lineups, on your rosters. I believe he finally went over the 50% threshold this past Tuesday, but let's keep it that way. The other guys I'm looking out for, the Patriot running backs. So we think Damon Harris is going to be healthy. That's the good news. Well, what did we see last week? Harris playing about mm, 55 to 60% more than Ramondre Stevenson on the ground, but Ramondre Stevenson had 60% of the routes run. So he's still getting more work in the passing game. It just didn't matter as much because Harris was running very well. And, well, frankly, the Patriots, if they can at all help it, aren't going to throw the ball that often. You could play Harris as a flex play. Right now, Stevenson has to stay on benches just for now. We got to see it first. Don't don't panic on him. Don't bench him. Don't, Don't hear what I'm not saying. Just keep him on your bench for now. But Harris is the guy, if you're playing a Patriot running back, that's the one you play. And then the Jets running backs are kind of in a similar situation here. Michael Carter continues to play a little bit ahead of Brees Hall. Joe Flacco makes them both relevant in half-point, full-point PPR leagues because he's throwing the ball so much. They get a, a large share of that work as well. Carter's the guy that I feel more comfortable playing in the flex. I'm probably looking for better options outside of Brees Hall. But if you have to play him, there are worse options to go to. So he's kind of like on that teetering point for me. Here's what's going to get interesting about the Jets situation. Week four, Zach Wilson comes back. We might see a totally different offensive scheme out of the Jets. That's why I I told you guys, go pick up Garrett Wilson if you have a chance. Don't be overly disappointed if things start to swing back towards Elijah Moore and they're not throwing the ball quite as much as they had with Joe Flacco. We'll see exactly what happens. Maybe they stick with it. Maybe they do. But I don't know if they're going to feed Zach Wilson to the Wolves like they are Flacco. It just, it'll be curious to see because when Wilson was in there last year, there's a team that went, that tried to run the football, tried to be balanced. I don't know if they've completely abandoned that philosophy or if it's just because they had Flacco back there, they decided to just go ahead and abandon it anyway because they can't use his legs. That will be curious to see starting next week. And I do think when Zach Wilson comes in, Brees Hall will start to have a little bit more value and start to play a little bit more ahead 
with Michael Carter. At the very least, a 50-50 starting his first start in week four. We'll have to we'll have to watch that one closely. Wide receivers I'm looking out for. I'm looking out for Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen in what was Justin Jefferson's probably one of, if not the worst game he's going to have this season, was still only able to tie him in targets at seven. I don't know how much confidence you can have in Adam Thielen. Now, I will say this week against Detroit, he'll probably make my top 36 because if there's ever going to be a game for him to score a touchdown, it'd be this upcoming week. But because they're doing this Rams thing, think about the Rams situation the last two years. Think about last year, Cooper Cup and then Robert Woods. How often was Robert Woods left out of the game plan? This year, everyone's been clamoring for who? Allen Robinson to get more involved. This offense is going to be set up a very similar way. There's going to be a lot of weeks where Adam Thielen just flat out isn't involved. He belongs in your rosters, but he's not an every week must start. This week will be one of the guys, one of the weeks that I put him in my flex play. Jacoby Myers, look, nothing gets you excited about Jacoby Myers, but one thing is clear. He's once again, the wide receiver, one of the Patriots and in full point PPR leagues can be considered to be a guy to be your wide receiver three. Plain and simple. Devontae Parker, He's not doing anything out there. Nelson Aguilar, good. He had his one big game. We're not going to see him again for at least another six games after this. We're not worried about that. Jacoby Myers at least has the floor for Mac Jones. Has the safety blanket option. He's a fine play. Don't get excited about him, but he's a fine plug and play. And then the Jets receivers. So I talked a little bit about Garrett Wilson. I think you have to play him this week. Take advantage while you have Joe Flacco. You know what his role is. Elijah Moore is going to bounce back. But here's the deal, which makes everything crazy. Braxton Berrios had a heel issue, which is why he was not as heavy in the rotation. They talked about this after the game. Look, I don't know why Braxton Berrios should even be in the conversation when you have Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson as three receivers. But unfortunately, he has been. Now, maybe this performance by Wilson puts that to bed. I'd like to say that it does, but we've seen the Jets make idiotic decisions in the past, so I can't say it definitively, unfortunately. Just kind of keep that in mind before you get overly excited about Garrett Wilson and before you get too down on Elijah Moore, who has been playing as the number one receiver as far as routes routes run and snaps. And then, of course, we get to the tight ends. Dawson Knox, he's a tight end, too. His best chance was this past week when they blew out the Tennessee Titans and Gabriel Davis wasn't on the field. Not only did he not get in the end zone, four catches, 45 yards. Dawson Knox is a tight end too. He's touchdown dependent. I said it coming into the season. It was why he was one of my busts heading into the season. If he does not perform at the high, ridiculous, efficient touchdown rate that he had last year, he doesn't have the same type of volume as the other players because there's too many other guys for Josh Allen to go to. Irv Smith, it was nice to see him perform well. He should have had a really big game. We've all acknowledged that at this point, I think. But that was also the same game where Jefferson was not as involved as he most likely will be in most games. He's also a tight end, too. Now, he's a more streamable option in my mind for the rest of the season than Dawson Knox is. But he's also a tight end, too. It's going to be back and forth between him and Adam Thielen, who that second pass catcher on a week-to-week basis is going to be. And the third guy kind of just gets left out anyway. If you're looking for a streaming option for this week, that's Tyler Conklin. Again, this all goes back to Flacco and the amount of times they're throwing the ball, but he's getting a lot of volume. You're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. You need a tight end who's getting you you know, five-plus catches. 
I think you could take a shot not being Tyler Conklin right now. Everyone, he gets kind of lost in the mix because we're all talking about the wide receivers. We're all talking about the running backs. And then there's Conklin getting his production. I don't think that changes this week, especially against Cincinnati. So you need a stream guy, stream Tyler Conklin. And Hayden Hurst still on my radar as a guy that we could talk about as a low-end, deep league, tight end two. It was nice to see that even with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase both healthy out there last week, he was still involved with eight targets. So he's somebody who should be on your radar. All right, now it's time for the Be Cautious Of. Be cautious of. You're not playing Mac Jones. And despite his numbers over the past two weeks, I am not I am not going to tell you to actually play Joe Flacco. You want to take a role in him in DFS? Fine. Have at it. I have no problem with it there. Do not start Joe Flacco in your redraft leagues. You have better options. I can guarantee you that. I'm also benching all Buffalo Bill running backs. I hope that they just give James Cook the opportunity. He'll never be the the bleed bell cow, so don't get me twisted. But Zach Moss is just a waste of space. I don't understand it. I know he's getting pass pro. Who cares? It's like watching paint dry every time he has the ball in his hands. Devin Singletary could be a good guy, but James Cook, let's hope he gets going. For now, though, three-man committee, at best, you're not playing a Buffalo Bill running back. Miami's running backs fall into this mixture. Weird saying that when you're thinking about Mike McDaniel from a Shanahan system, but look, they went back to Raheem Mostert this week after it was Chase Edmonds week one. And frankly, Mostert was more efficient, but we also know how that can go. Edmonds is still the pass catching back. If he's going to do this hot hand approach, you know, we go back and forth between one and each guy, you're never going to know which one to start. So until there's some clarity out of the Dolphins' backfield, I think both of these guys need to stay in your lineups but you're not starting, especially in tough matchups like the Buffalo Bills. And, of course, the Ravens running backs. Until J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards comes back, we don't care about the Ravens running backs. Lamar Jackson is the Ravens running backs. Wide receivers, Isaiah McKenzie. I talked about him as a drop on Tuesday. I said, look, no Gabriel Davis. It was Jake Kumar who got all the playing time. He's still barely, Isaiah McKenzie, that is, barely playing ahead of Jamison Crowder. All the hype about Isaiah McKenzie coming into this year, mm, the balloons kind of deflated on that. It's time to move on from Isaiah McKenzie. DJ Chark, after a nice involvement week one, didn't do anything in week two. It shows the volatility of a DJ Chark. There's other options involved for you. And that same thing goes for Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins comes back. What happens? He goes back to being Mr. Irrelevant. I can't wait for Boyd. Look, Dynasty, Dynasty go by Boyd. Because wherever he goes next year, He's going to be a really good receiver. He's going to reemerge to fantasy football. But for now, Joe Burrow just doesn't look for him. He's got both of his other stallions out there on the field. You're not playing Mike Isecki, and you're not playing a Patriots tight end. The most money spent on the offense is in the tight end position of New England Patriots, and yet they're not involved in the offense. I don't know what to make of it, but you are not playing a Patriots tight end anytime soon whatsoever. They're both in more of a 50-50 committee this year with routes run than they were last year. That was favor towards Hunter Henry. They're getting Janu Smith more involved in that aspect of it, but it doesn't really matter because neither one of them is doing anything. Maybe this is what happens when you hire Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to run the offense. I know. I say that every week. I'm going to find every single week to get that dig in there because it's that putrid. <laughs> On that note, it's time for the mailbag segment. Cool. The mail's here. 
Let me actually actually bring my intern in so we can talk about the mailbag segments. Hello, Danielle. How'd you like my crack there? Oh, I loved it. And honestly, I have no idea what's happening with our tight end situation there. So <laughs> maybe I'll call up my guys in New England and tell them to start figuring it out. Because for my sanity and the rest of New England sanity, we need Hunter Henry out there on the field. <laughs> It's it, it's bad. So yeah, we got the mailbag segment now. If you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, or if you need help, at BellyUpMDFF Show on social media, we will always answer all of your questions. I take out a few of my favorite ones. And actually, Danielle, before you start reading off yours, I got a couple of questions during the live show here that I wanted to get to now because there's some hefty ones. So uh, Chase Banks, he's <laughs> I think he just went through his whole his whole lineup for me, and he's just asking any general advice or trades. And I'm not going to read all this on air here is my general advice when you're trying to figure out what you should do with your roster you always want to look for okay what am i weak at and what do i have plenty of and of course try to trade up from that so if you need let's say you need an rb2 you don't want to trade for a guy who's on the cusp of rb2 and rb3 who you think has potential upside you want to trade for guys about a mid-level rb2 and kind of actually upgrade yourself because what winds up happening when you trade depth for an upgrade and we get into the bye weeks and we get into injuries, now all of a sudden you're left holding the bag where your strength is now your weakness. You don't want that to happen. So you want to make sure it's a significant upgrade or you find a way to get a little bit better while keeping it balanced out. Especially talking about 14-team leagues there. Uh, Chase, my advice to you, hit me up on social media. I can better help you out as an individual. And then we kind of got a similar situation here with Amonster23. Pretty much like, am I good with his whole team? Look, guys, when you send me your whole rosters, I'm not going to do that on air. Send that to me on social media. So with that, Danielle, let me know what mailbag questions we got from the social media people this week. So our first mailbag question is from Rory. And Rory asks, Matthew Stafford or Tua? So, I mean, I talked about Tua a little bit earlier. Do not play him against Buffalo. Play Matthew Stafford this week. He will be in my top 12 quarterback. Bounced back a little bit last week against Atlanta. Oh, and guess what? They play Arizona this week. Arizona's terrible. Matthew Stafford will be fine. And this is also what I'm talking about, the whole getting swept up in the six-touchdown performance thing. There's no reason why heading this week, it should be a question between those two players. Yes, I I agree. And Tua, I feel like, hasn't proved himself for enough where Matthew Stafford has. It's, it's one great game. One, I you know what? I'm a great game. It was a great quarter. It was a great quarter. There needs to be more. I agree with you, Danielle. The next question is from Thomas, and Thomas asked to trade Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Mike Williams for Joe Mixon. Yes. If you, this deal is actually on the table right now, pull the freaking trigger. I've been talking about you guys selling high on Clyde's Hilaire to begin with. Mike Williams would also fall into that category. He's number two behind Keenan Allen. When Keenan Allen's back and healthy, he's a boomer bust, wide receiver three, like he always has been. Joe Mixon is one of the safest elite RB1s right now and probably will continue to do so as long as his usage maintains. Pull the trigger. If this deal is actually on the table, hit it. Our last question is from Anchorman30, and he says, Drop Love Traylon the name, by Burks. The way. Love the Anchorman30 name. Danielle, is that movie, does that pass, is that before your time, or you know Anchorman? Oh, I love it. It's one of my favorites. Okay. 
Thank you. That that just made my heart jump with joy that you said that. Thank you so much. As a okay, journalism so major, it's required for me to like it. So <laughs> that's valid. That is valid. But Anchorman Thirty asks, drop Traylon Burks for Jah- Jahan Dotson. No, I just talked about we're we're trying to buy low on Traylon Burks right now. If you can, so whoever you know, Anchorman Thirty, whoever's in his league, try to buy Traylon Burks off of him because don't do it. Look, Dawson's had a nice start to the season. There's no question about that, but it's been touchdown based. Five catches, 40 yards. He's, he's not he's not lighting up the league. And I know Burks hasn't yet either, but the problem is with Dotson, he still has Terry McLaurin he's got to deal with. He's got apparently a resurged Curtis Samuel he's got to deal with. Logan Thomas is in the mix. Traylon Burks, who's he dealing with? The second he emerges, he's the wide receiver one of that team. And if that defense is showing you anything, Tennessee is going to be in more negative game scripts than we all thought they will. So they need a spark. They need a big play. I'm keeping Traylon Burks. He's got more upside, more of a pathway to become that wider, that team's wide receiver one, where Jahan Dotson, you know, unless there's injury, will be behind Terry McLaurin. And right now, target-wise, will probably continue to be behind Curtis Samuel. That does it for the show. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern, for the Clairvoyant Thursday, the second half fantasy football week three preview. And it makes you catch us on Friday night, too. Cashing Friday, Chaz Florida will finally be back on the show, and uh, we'll do better. It was a rough week, two. We had a really good week one, but it was, it was a rough week, two in some of our bets. So we'll do better going forward in week three. Everybody, we'll see you then. Have a great night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.